The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Real men eat plants. Rip Esselstyn said that, and today's show is for real men who've made that switch, real men who intend to or want to or don't even know yet that they will be making that switch, and the women who love them. So put on your old recording of Macho Macho Man Get an extra headset and bring your significant other or your brother or your dad to listen to this show because this is really to make a difference for the guys. After the first break, I'll be bringing on John Schlim, author of The Ultimate Beer Lover's Happy Hour. And right now, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce to you John Joseph. He's lead singer in the punk band The Cro-Mags, rocking out since the 1980s and still doing so. He's the author of a compelling autobiography, Evolution of a Cro-Magnon, that lets us follow him from the mean streets of Queens and an abusive foster home in his childhood to being an author, musician, athlete, yogi, and vegan. If you want to talk with John Joseph, he'll only be with us for the first 20 minutes, so give a call, 888-558-6489. You will win a membership in the American Vegan Society if you are the first caller to call in with a question. John Joseph's latest book is Meat is for Pussies from Harper. Collins and geared to men, young men, tough guys, sports guys, and maybe your brother-in-law. The message is tough. The language is rough. But if there's a macho man in your life whose life you'd like to enrich and maybe extend, John Joseph is the vegan for him. Welcome, John. Thank you. It's great to be uh, on your show. Well, it's wonderful that you made the time. I know that you're in all sorts of meetings with national TV networks about TV shows and other really important things, and I'm happy that you found the Main Street Vegan Show to be an important enough thing to spend your time with today. So tell us, John, why do men need a vegan book of their own? Um, Well, I just think for so long that, uh, you know, Toughness and masculinity has been equated with, you know, meat and this whole cowboy thing. And, you know, it, it makes you rugged and meat. It's what's for dinner and, you know, all of this nonsense. And, you know, if you peel back the mask of advertising and really get to the real core issues of what 
that type of diet actually does to you. There's nothing ma macho or masculine about it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's exposing the myth. I mean, you know, you had, you know, the cigarette companies telling you in the 70s and 80s that it, it makes you, you know, rough and rugged to smoke Marlboros and, you know, and it was kind of the same, you know, the same thing with these, uh, you know, beef, it's what's for dinner and these, these other, uh, you know, companies pushing their agenda to make money. But in, in the uh, interim there, they're destroying the planet, they're destroying people's health, they're killing, you know, millions of animals, and uh, it's just something that really needs to stop, and that's why I've been doing this since 1980, 81, and, you know, and uh, I just put a book in, in a guy's language, like, you know, dude, it's, it doesn't make you tough to do this, you know, so that's... Uh, you know, you have to lead by example, and, and I'm out there doing it. I'm 52 years old. I'm competing in Ironman triathlons. I'm in the, you know, I was up at 5.30 this morning. I ran 12 miles in Central Park. I mean, and I'm helping people all day long answering emails, and, you know, and I'm getting thousands of, of letters and emails and Facebook messages saying, like, dude, I got your book. Thank you for writing this book. Finally... There's a dude that puts this kind of, you know, plant-based, vegan, whatever you want to call it, knowledge in, in, in the way that I talk, you know, so. And, and you, you have so done that, and you mentioned your Twitter. If you want to follow John on Twitter, it's at JJ Cromag. We have a caller, Brendalyn. Brendalyn? She's gone? Well, we had a caller. And she might come back. So, John, what advice do you have for women to share these ideas with the men in their lives? I mean, you know, funny enough, you talked about pitching to networks. And uh, we've been pitching to a lot of these female uh, where the audience. John, I'm not hearing you. Hi, Victoria. Hey, Brendalyn, I hear you, but I've lost the guest. I'm Let's here. See. You're here, John? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. You were saying you were pitching to these female-oriented networks? Yeah, because, like, it's, you know, I really look, at, and, and I'm saying this in, in the most honest way possible. The dudes need a wake-up call, especially in this country. Uh, you go to yoga centers, you go to health food stores, you go to, you know, uh, vegetarian, vegan restaurants, it's primarily women. The, the women are, you know, surpassing the dudes on this whole spiritual awakening quest that's been happening in, in America. And, I mean, I saw it last night. I was sitting outside of a restaurant, and the girl wanted to bring her boyfriend in there. And the dude's like, I don't want to eat that. It was like a little kid that didn't want to eat his vegetables. <laughs> you know, it was so funny. And, and I was sitting there with my girlfriend, Erica, and I'm like, look at that. Like, that's... That dude needs to read my book, you know. So I, I think uh, a lot of, you know, we did 10,000 copies of Meters for Pussies on our own before HarperCollins picked it up. And almost 70% of all of those books, because we kept, kept track, it was women who bought the book for their significant others, their brothers, their fathers. And those dudes wrote me and were like, bro, I get it. I started making the changes, you know, so I, I think, you know, guys have this macho attitude that they like to find, figure things out on their own. So I think what the female, what the, you know, the, a good advice for the females is, you know, give them the book, go make them watch Forks Over Knives, watch Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, watch Earthlings, watch Cowspiracy, you know, get... Get them involved, you know. Give them a cookbook and say, what looks good to you in that book? You know, I'll make it yeah. for you. Yeah, uh, and my husband ate meat when I met him, went vegetarian after two weeks, took a few years for the vegan thing to happen, but 
when it did, uh, you know, was this is better for everybody, cows included. We have a lovely caller, Brendalyn, who is on the phone with us now. Hey, Brendalyn, do you have a question for John? Oh, uh, hey, Victoria. No, I was just traveling. I'm on my way to Grand Canyon. I'm going to be vegan in the Grand Canyon camping, and I just wanted to get that veggie society, veggie society. But what's the name of this book? Oh, this is is John Joseph. He's a rock singer. And you can just look him up online. His uh, biography is Evolution of a Cro-Magnon. And his uh, vegan book for guys, young men, macho men, I'm only going to say it one more time because the Unity people said I couldn't say this title very often, is Meat is for Pussies. There, I've said it. The end. (laughs) Happy travels, Brendalyn. Happy to give you that. Happy to give you the membership in the American Vegan Society. They were there before anybody else. So, John, tell us a little bit of your history, which is quite fascinating. How did you yourself wind up vegan? Um, Well, you know, I had a really tough, uh, you know, childhood. Like I wrote in my book, I was raised in abusive foster homes. I went on the streets. I was a heroin mule at 14 and 15 years old selling angel dust. I was incarcerated for almost two years. Then I went into the Navy, and even in the Navy, I was screwing up. I was smuggling drugs aboard the ships, and I met this band in 1980 called the Bad Brains, and they were Rastafarians who believed in God and were all vegan. So, and they had this incredible energy about them, and, and, you know, the singer kind of, HR, took me under his wing and kind of schooled me, and they were just surrounded by so many amazing people. Uh, Their entourage, uh, you know, the sound man was a raw foodist, and he took took me to see Victoria Skovinskis and Ann Wigmore and got me into yoga and you know really got me into the health uh got me I got a job in a health food store in 1981 I was working at Prana Foods which is was connected to Integral Yoga Institute with Swami Sachinananda and uh you know I was really a screwed up kid of what was done to me in the homes and you know being locked up and everything else I was looking for the path and you know, when I found the real path of spirituality, I ended up reading uh, Srila Prabhupada's books, the Bhagavad Gita as it is, and Srimad Bhagavatam, and all of those books. And he always, you know, pressed the issue of ahimsa and compassion to all living entities and closing the slaughterhouses down. And, you know, that was, to me was a message that I was like, you know, you can't expect that there's going to be peace on this planet and you're murdering you know, millions and millions of animals a year. So it really resonated with me because I came from a very violent world. I was shot on the street in the leg. I got stabbed. I I was stabbed when I was locked up. I mean, you know, I was a wild individual. And when I stopped consuming the flesh of animals, it was something just... You know, in my consciousness, something just changed. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. I still trained in martial arts and was like a very physical person. But I didn't have all this unnecessary anger. There was anger when there needed to be anger. If somebody messed with somebody or tried to rob somebody, I would be the first one. uh, You know, I hated bullies and all that because I was bullied as a child. But there wasn't all of this, like, pent-up aggression and anger it was anger that was be able now i was able to direct that anger to positive anger can be a positive thing too it doesn't always have to be negative but i didn't have this whole something clicked inside of me spiritually when i gave up uh eating animal flesh and supporting the industries the fish the meat the eggs all of that stuff that basically is just you know, torturing animals unnecessarily. So, and I've stuck with it ever since because I didn't do it for social reasons or to be part of a vegan clique. It actually was done out of spiritual reasons. I needed it for my own healing and trying to help heal others in turn, which is what I do now. I've I've dedicated over 30 
uh, 34 years to helping other people now get on the same journey. And I've actually reached gang members, people that have been in and out of prison, drug addicts, uh, abused kids. uh, I mean, you name it. because my story resonates with them, uh, you know, and I've walked a mile in their shoes and then some. So when I tell them where I've been and, and what helped facilitate my change, then they change, you know, it's, it, it, it awakens them as well. And that's really what it's about is the awakening consciousness of the masses uh, on this planet. And, you know, not consuming animal flesh is a big part of that. Well, there's something that's pure truth about what you write. Because when I read your book, I mean, I am the last person on earth who I would be considered your demographic. I'm the wrong gender and the wrong age, and I come from the wrong part of town. And all that stuff for reading your particular book, it so spoke to me. I inhaled it in a day and a half. It was so inspiring. I cooked the recipes. So there's something spiritual about what you're saying. And I know you're a guy's guy and you're all street smart. But you're spiritual, too. Describe your spiritual life. Well, I wake up and, you know, I honestly say uh, prayers every day to me and my eyes open because, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I've met some of the toughest people on this planet. I have friends who are Navy SEALs. I have friends who are Green Berets. I have friends who are UFC fighters. I have friends that served a lot of time in prison and turned their lives around. Some of the toughest people I've ever met on this planet believe in God and don't think it's corny to have faith in God and search for a spiritual path. So my path every day is I chant Hare Krishna. I try to help others. I do, uh, you know, acts of, of spiritual devotion. In, in Sanskrit, you know, it's called uh, sadhana bhakti, and that's what it really means. Is Bhakti means devotion, and sadhana means your practice. So every day you wake up and you do your sadhana, and you, you do your meditation, you do your chanting, you perform, you know, acts to help other people. That is the highest thing that we can do, is to help elevate other people spiritually um, and helping them uh, in their lives, and that's you know, to me, I, I, I say I have to pay it forward. I was given so many gifts in these. The fact that I'm even on this phone talking with you now, Victoria, is a, is it's a miracle in itself. Because, you know, I, I literally, if I didn't make the change, I would be dead or in jail or addicted to drugs or, you know, or whatever. And the fact of the matter is, people stepped in and intervened and out of compassion for me helped me. And that's part of my whole spiritual practice is to now pay that forward. And I try to give them books on yoga and meditation, you know, from Prabhupada or, you know, just whatever. I mean, even even the four agreements or whatever it is that can help them where they're at in their lives. Uh, I feel, you know, it's my duty uh you know, even if you read my book, I offer the perfection of yoga. Uh, I'm like, yo, this book helped me. If you want it, write me a letter. I'll, I've sent thousands of those books out to people for free just because, you know, I, I believe in it so strongly. And dudes need to come off this like, oh, yeah, it's not tough to believe in God and, and you're a cornball. I mean... You know, there's been a lot of examples of people that have been hypocrites on the path of faith, and I think that they gave a bad rap to anyone who says the word God now. It's like, you know, oh, you're corny if you believe in God, but, you know, to me, I'm like, I don't think there's anything corny about it at all. I'm as tough as they come. You know, my entire, you know, life has been just you know, beating down obstacles. And to me now, I'm like, you know, the only thing that, uh, you know, really helps me get through every day is my devotions, you know? Well, you just inspire the heck out of me. Real quick, what world leader or thought leader would you most like to see go vegan? Man, I would love, I mean, you know, here we are in the United States of America, one of the most powerful nations, everybody, and I'm I'm just saying, not militarily, 
I'm, I'm talking like everybody looks to America. I'm involved in music. I still tour. Everybody's like looking to America. What's going on in America? What's the trends? What are the Americans doing? And what are, what are, you know, what do they see? We're lagging behind in all kinds of things, that, you know, fighting the genetically modified food. And, you know, we're one of the only countries on earth that allow big pharma to advertise commercials, direct consumer commercials for all these drugs besides New Zealand. I would love to see a president really have some consciousness and come out and go plant-based and, and educate people that health is wealth and... Uh, you know, kind of, you know, not do it to make a show, but actually, you know, you know, be somebody. A pre imagine a president that does yoga and and uh, and is and is a vegetarian, vegan. The amount of change and good that he can do in the world would be astronomical. So well, that's, that's really what I would love to see. I would love to see it with you. John, you have to go be a TV star yeah. now. So thank you so very much for taking this oh, time. Victoria, I love you. I love what you do since the first time I ever saw you talk. I was like, that's a woman that walks the walk right there. And we've been friends ever since. We have you know? indeed. <laughs> Take good care and, and may the best network win. All right. Hare okay. Krishna and thank you for having me on the show. All the best. Blessings to you. And bye. Everybody else, stay with us through these messages, and we'll be back with John Schlimm and the Ultimate Beer Lovers Happy Hour. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What if you could experience vibrant health? Help heal the planet and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Is the world we live in making you ill? Fast food, junk food, feeling overwhelmed, not enough time? People are stressed, anxious, overweight, depressed, and have numerous health issues that are being treated with pills. There really is a way to get back to good health without the use of medication, and it's not rocket science or hard work. Primary brain repair is a simple, natural method developed by Dr. Suka that can give you relief from your symptoms and help prevent long-term health problems. You can have more energy and a release from pain and suffering, along with a new joyful sense of self, increasing your physical, emotional, and spiritual health. It's called Wellness Simplified. Join Dr. Suka on Fridays at 3 p.m. Central Time and learn more about her healing method. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, this is Victoria Moran on Main Street Vegan. So happy that you're spending this time with us and 
so grateful to Unity Online Radio that they invite us back to keep doing this show and share all these wonderful ideas with you. If you're inspired by this show or other shows on this network, please go online to Unity Online Radio and see if you'd like to help them out with a donation. That would be most appreciated. And it is now... Again, my pleasure to introduce another returning guest to the show, and that is John Schlimm. You know him as the tipsy vegan, the cheesy (laughs) vegan, and from books like The Ultimate Beer Lover's Cookbook and Grilling Vegan Style. John comes from the historic Straub Brewery family in Pennsylvania, and he has a brand new book to continue our hour of male bonding or bonding with males. I guess that's what I'm doing with his brand new cookbook, The Ultimate Beer Lover's Happy Hour, featuring over 325 recipes for your favorite bar snacks and beer cocktails. Welcome, John. It is so exciting to be back with you. Only one of these times, I think we need to do it from a a bar somewhere. (laughs) Well, that would be fun. We could have some background noise, and Jeff could play with the controls out there in Missouri and and try to make it work. Yeah, we'll we'll take it on location. (laughs) Now, this is very interesting that you would say that. My husband just loves bars. And I'm not implying that he drinks too much or anything. He just (laughs) likes bars. It's a place where he goes to kind of be alone and do his thinking. I've never felt comfortable in bars. Do you think this is a boy-girl thing? (laughs) Well, it could be just an opposite to track (laughs) type thing. You know, I, I think everyone sort of has their own connection to a mug of beer, whether they're enjoying it in the comfort of their own home or at a bar somewhere. I know for me, one of my favorite places on the planet will always be on a dance floor in the middle of a dive bar with beer and food in hand around midnight on a Friday night. Uh, There's just something that, you know, yes, I'll take you sometime, and I think you'll change your mind about bars. Uh, You know, you check reality at the door for a couple hours, and you just go in and have fun, fun, fun. That does sound fun. I do love the dance floor part. We had Kathy Freston on the show six or eight weeks ago, and we were kind of fantasizing online about bringing back the Supper Club, the wonderful restaurant with the dance floor and the band. And, of course, it would be a vegan restaurant. So of course. If, if we do it, we'll let you know, and you can be our beer advisor. Oh, I would love it. My my stop that I can host will be at a dive bar, and I'll take you and Kathy with me. And we'll have so much fun, and we'll too. dance the night away. <laughs> yeah. So just because this is our guy show, what is the deal with beer and guys? <laughs> well, you know, I think that goes back to the caveman days, <laughs> which is about as old as beer is. You know, beer sort of popped up around the world at the beginning of time, almost simultaneously in different places. You know, I think there has always traditionally been sort of a, the perception of a toughness about beer, and maybe it's, it's that sort of connection. But you know what? I'm finding that there are a lot of uh, women who love their beer just as much as men, which is fantastic, and they're just as tough as guys. But I think, you know, guys always will hold a special place in their heart for beer, and especially now with just the thousands of specialty and seasonal beers that are coming out every year. I mean, talk about a bonanza, you know, for all the beer lovers out there. This is the time. This is beer's uh, renaissance. It, it is indeed, and I noticed that as, as someone who rarely drinks, but I started seeing maybe 20 years ago the microbrewery trend, and now I think so much of the entrepreneurship that's so big in this country started with microbreweries. It, it, it did, and, you know, it's so inspiring because you're seeing so much creativity going into the creation of these Uh, specialty and craft beers, uh, whether it's the beer itself or the bottle or the label. Uh, And again, you know, whether you are a a dive bar groupie, which I tend to be, you know, the divier the better, or you're at the Four Seasons somewhere, uh, 
the see, you'll always see a, a seasonal beer chart or a specialty beer chart. Beer is always on top of those places. You can say the same for wine or some of the others. Beer is everywhere, and I think that's why it's become such a global favorite uh, since really, again, the beginning of time. Well, and, and it is definitely a global favorite. One of the things I noticed traveling in, in Tibet and, and Nepal and India and China and all around was everybody had beer, and the Tibetan beer was so interesting because it was more like yogurt than what I would think of as beer, but it was still beer. So everybody's figured out how to ferment. Maybe that's what will bring about world peace. We can all bond with our ability to ferment. Or is beer fermented or is beer made the other way? I get confused on the alcohol it, 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 processes. It's, it's fermented. Yes, it's okay. fermented. Um, other, other or, like hard liquor can be distilled. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, and the, the, the beer is fermented. And, you know, you're right on the bringing about world peace, uh, hopefully, because, uh, you know, you look at our presidential campaigns, and especially in 2008, uh, all of the candidates, what was the most popular photo op? them standing with a mug of beer. Uh, you know, and, and I always like to say it was interesting to sort of judge their body language. Uh, Barack Obama would very carefully and almost, you know, studiously sip his. Hillary Clinton was seen knocking hers back. <laughs> and, uh, and John McCain, of course, was enjoying one in, back then, and his wife uh, is an heiress to, you know, a huge uh, beer, uh, beer company, which is kind of interesting. So starting back then, you really started to pick up on beer being used uh, in a diplomatic way. And I think that's fantastic because who doesn't well, want to share a beer? Which absolutely. Then let me ask a you a diplomatic question as a vegan. Some beers are not technically vegan. Is this true? It all depends on the way it is uh, produced. Uh, you will generally and for the most part find that the majority of beers are vegan, uh, but it depends on the uh, the production, the process. So it doesn't necessarily uh, involve the ingredients, but sometimes uh, different um, animal-based products are used in the production. And, you know, that's something that I really haven't explored too deeply other than just simply asking, is this beer vegan or not? And, of course, I always refer everyone to the, the fantastic website, Barnivore, Dot com, which lists all the different brands of alcohol, beer, wine, vodka, and so on, and it will tell you if it's vegan-friendly or not. Uh, you know, a lot of wines, for example, are not vegan-friendly because during the, the production, the um, ingredients are processed through fish bladders. Or, you know, there's a red wine that uh, red beetles are crushed. I, it, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> We're in the 21st century. I think we can create wine and beer uh, and leave our animal friends alone. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you have, to, you have to kind of check. But for most beers, you'll be pretty safe. I see. Okay. Now, in one of your earlier books, The Tipsy Vegan, you used all sorts of alcohol in different um, dishes, different for food preparation. Now, this book is not about cooking with the beer. It's about making wonderful dishes and, and snacks and hors d'oeuvres to pair with the beer. And you told me before we went on the air that beer pairings are the big, hot, entertaining trend. Yeah, right now, you know, for so many years, we had the trend of the wine and food pairing events. But now with this reemergence of beer as the ultimate golden rock star out there on the culinary circuit, beer and food pairings have become the most popular style of entertaining. And you can see why. With so many different types of beer, it doesn't matter what your menu is. Every course now can be served with a little sample of a different kind of beer. And so when it came time to write Happy Hour... I decided that I wanted to take that approach, and, and again, loving dive bars and all kinds of bars like I do, I wanted to uh, pull out all of those favorite uh, bar snacks and do recipes inspired by them that were plant, plant-based, but then pair them with different specialty and seasonal beers so people could really have a lot of fun and, and a lot of experimentation. Now, of course, 
I'm not adverse to putting a little shot of beer in some of these dishes. And, and if you do, uh, you know, anytime you're making a great vegetable chili, pour in half a bottle or a full bottle of an amber lager, and you will see magic happen before your eyes and with every spoonful. <laughs> Well, I will absolutely do that because I cannot get through a week in winter without William saying, when are you going to make your famous chili? And Amber Lager <laughs> would probably make it even more famous. So one of oh, the cool... Hmm? Go ahead. Uh, one of the cool things about your book, in fact, it was the very first thing that I noticed when I got my copy, is that it's vegan, but it doesn't say vegan. And I'm looking all over to see vegan or plant-based or vegetarian or something and you just left that out and i think you left it out strategically tell us about that plan (laughs) well you know from the very uh, first vegan cookbook i did which was the tipsy vegan i've been on a mission to smash through the silly stereotype that we've all faced that vegans are weird and boring and Our recipes involve bizarre ingredients that you have to go to a health food store on Mars to find. And, you know, so from the beginning, I have uh, worked very hard to use ingredients that are very mainstream and that my small-town neighbors and friends here in St. Mary's, Pennsylvania, can go to our supermarkets and find for the most part. So when it came time to do this book, which was actually done by a different publisher from my vegan cookbooks, you know, several years ago, before I was vegan, I had written a cookbook titled The Ultimate Beer Lover's Cookbook, which contained over 400 food and drink recipes that all used beer as an ingredient. And it was the largest beer cookbook ever published. And it was that publisher that came back to me all of these years later and asked if I would write a sequel. And, of course, as you as a writer know, when a publisher comes knocking on your door, uh, you know, we open it and welcome them in. And I said, well, the answer is definitely yes. But there's just one thing, uh, you know, <laughs> this one is going to be essentially plant-based. But I said, I think there's a way I can do it. I think it's a really great opportunity that I haven't really seen done before where I can create a mainstream plant-based cookbook without splashing the word vegan all over it. Now, I happen to think the word vegan is a beautiful word. It really is. When you look at it and when you say it, but it's still scary to so many people out there, even though it doesn't have to be. And I've always been about reaching my hand back across the aisle to our fellow, uh, you know, foodies who just happen to eat meat and say, come, come try a meal with me in my cookbook. And so I really worked hard to do that in a way where so anyone out there can pick up this cookbook, feel comfortable uh, using it. And again, it pushes forth your mission of saying vegan really is mainstream. It's nothing weird. It's nothing bizarre. It's just delicious, and it's fun, at least with us it is. Well, I think it's wonderful, because why can't the ultimate beer lover's happy hour be vegan? Then it would be happy for everybody, including the animals. Well, that's right. And I've always, you know, I I like to refer to my cookbooks as parties in a book. And certainly my vegan cookbooks are parties in a book, to which everyone is invited. I want, you know, the best type of party is one that you have the largest mix and combination of people. I want everyone at my party. And that's what, you know, the steps that we're trying to take in spreading the word of a plant-based lifestyle and of a compassionate lifestyle is just inviting everyone in and saying, just take a bite. And I've gotten a phenomenal feedback from mostly, you know, meat eaters who have said, this really is a great book, and, and they didn't even think about the, the, that the meat and the dairy was missing. Well, that's that the thing. Really I find happy. that just entertaining. In fact, last night we had a friend over for dinner who is, I, I always call the people who aren't yet vegan, pregans. So he's a <laughs> pregan and loved the dinner, raved about the dinner. And I think when you give somebody good food, I mean, I really like kale, but if somebody gives me a fabulous dinner, I'm not going to say, well, it would have been better with some kale in it. I'll just be happy. And I think that's how a lot of people feel about meat and dairy. If you fill them up with something delicious, it's just good. That's right. And, you know, it's been so great. I come from a very small rural town in western Pennsylvania, and I I live here 
uh, again, and I, I love being here because it really keeps me grounded. You know, and we're in the heart of hunting country. You know, kids here get off of school for deer season. Of course, when I was in school, I, I went shop, holiday shopping with my mom on that day. But, I mean, we are really entrenched here. So this is a great testing ground for my cookbook because if I can convince the people here that this is delicious food and not some weird, strange thing, uh, I can convince them anywhere. And, you know, I get tremendous feedback from the people here. And even if they're um, not vegan yet or not even vegetarian, if they're pregan, as you say, I still hear how they're reducing the meat intake. I hear how they're increasing their vegetables. I hear how they're starting to take more of an interest in a plant-based lifestyle. And that lets me know, that's sort of my barometer to know, the world is definitely changing because if it's changing in a place like St. Mary's, Pennsylvania and other small towns across this country and across the globe, we are having an impact. And especially, you know, you and I, uh, our impact, we love everybody. And, you know, we spread compassion. We're not out there being preachy. I've never sat down and criticized someone who was sitting across the table from me eating a steak. I have never, you know, said, you know where that came that. To me, that's not how to progress. Um, you know, the conversation comes up, and they see what I'm eating. They see that I'm eating, the, and they become curious and ask questions. So we're doing it one step and one hug at a time, and I love that. And, um, I, you know, I, I think that's how progress is being made on our front. I love that one step and one hug. That's sweet. So tell us some of your favorite recipes in the Ultimate Beer Lovers Happy Hour. Well, of course, you know, they wouldn't be in here if they weren't all, you know, my absolute favorites. But I think, you know, especially for the guys out there, uh, since this is, you know, all about male bonding and cooking today, and, of course, the ladies, but I think the guys are going to love the the beer and pizza bar that's in the book as well as the the beer and burgers bar. And, you know, when it came to, of course, you can't do a a bar-themed book without having pizza and burgers, and that ends the book or at least the food section in the book, just like, you know, we end, uh, you know, at 2 a.m. with a, a burger or a pizza after having a lot of fun out at the bars. But I wanted to do something different than just more veggie burgers because I think, uh, you know, we have, there's some great veggie burgers out there. I have them in my other cookbook. So I wanted to do some unique takes. So I do have a traditional veggie burger recipe in there, but some of the others, there's a, a sweet onion spider where the, the a thick slice of a sweet onion becomes the burger patty i have oh, that course, sounds a yummy of, yeah and i have a selection of grilled portobello burgers where again the portobello the large portobello cap becomes the patty and and you can do that as a portobello fire burger or buffalo style or even uh, you know with oktoberfest coming up here in a few weeks sauerkraut and portobello burger uh, there's an eggplant burger uh, there's a cauliflower burger you know i I've always thought cauliflower is something that's been underrated. And so I've, I've made it my mission to try to help it come back a little bit. And so I have a cauliflower slider in there uh, that literally a thick slice of a sautéed cauliflower becomes the burger patty. And I think when you start looking at burgers through a different lens, it does, a burger is not a beef patty. <laughs> that may be one kind of burger that people eat, but I've tried to move burgers in a whole different direction, in a whole new delicious uh, direction. There's even one that I, I like and is an homage to the fact that I love to be dancing on a Friday night at a dive bar called Dance to the Beat Sliders. And beat, beat, <laughs> beat. So it's literally beat as the uh, the burger patty. So I think, you know, everyone out there, and especially guys grilling on the weekend and we have football season coming up, these are great options uh, that they can really explore. And you talk about the beer pairings. Again, every recipe comes with three suggested beers that you can pair with it. For example, the... Um, the cauliflower burger you can pair with a delicious Oktoberfest or an amber lager, the dance to the beat sliders. I might do an IPA or an IPL. They're a little hoppier. And again, my, Wait, what, what's an IPA or an IPL? The IPL is an India pale lager and an IPA is an India pale ale. And they are a hoppier beer. 
ales traditionally, beer really falls into, all beer pretty much falls into two major categories, ales and lagers. And when you talk about uh, fermentation, you'll see that ales are traditionally fermented a little, uh, in, a little warmer than lagers and for a, a shorter period of time. Now, you know, that's sort of the science of it that I just leave to the brewmasters out there. Uh, but ales tend to be a little hoppier, which means a little stronger, whereas the lagers uh, are a little smoother. And it I really see. comes down to your personal preference. Mm-hmm. All, it's all and, goes into you know, my education. Well, and you know, I, you know, I don't know everything there is to know about beer. I don't think anyone possibly could. So I really tried to make this cookbook as reader-friendly as possible. So I include, starting on page 32, a beer style guide where I take the reader through all the different types of ales and lagers and other specialty beers, and I give a little description of each of those. So if you see that a recipe is paired with an alt beer or, for example, like the IPL that you didn't know, you can refer back to the beer style guide and read a description of that. And I have to still do that because there are so many beers, sometimes I get my malt and hops uh, mixed up in one direction or another. And so just as I have a beer lover's pantry explaining all the different ingredients, I really wanted to do the beer style guide, especially for the beginning beer lovers out there or even the seasoned beer lovers who might want to try something new and maybe have never tried a, a fruit beer that's out there or a stout or uh, some other kind of, of beer. Well, I like the Belgian Abbey double because the history is so interesting. You say it dates back to the 19th century when Trappist monks first brewed the lightly hopped, strong, reddish-brown ale and you say it has flavor points including nutty, chocolate, caramel, spicy, and often fruity. That sounds like how somebody would describe wine. Well, and, you know, I really uh, wanted, I'm glad you said that because that's the point I wanted to convey, that each of these styles of beer come with their own history and their own delicious flavor points that make them the unique style that they are, and, you know, I wanted to explain that so that the reader would really have an idea of what they might want to then pair a certain beer with. And, you know, I give three uh, suggestions for beer pairings with every recipe, including the beer cocktails, which the beer is actually mixed into, but those are only suggestions. Uh, I have certainly done my share of sampling. I had no uh, trouble finding willing friends to uh, uh, help me test these recipes, but I want people to just run with this cookbook, make it their own, and try as many different styles with whatever dishes they want. And I hope that I've given them the blueprint to do that because at the end of the day, as one of my best friends says, beer equals fun, and that's really what it should be. Oh, that's nice because I've learned a lot about beer since my daughter has been married to her husband because, as you know, well, number one, he looks like you. We've talked about this before. You and my (laughs) son-in-law could be brothers. And he also does home brewing, and and she did some with him at, at some point. And when you were talking about having cool labels, they did after ale, and they would put their headshots and their actor websites on the bottles of beer, and then they would give it to agents and casting directors at holiday time, which was cool. But I've just learned so much more about about the, the art form of beer. But now an art form that I do know about is writing books. And I have to say, you are one of the most prolific writers that I know of. And not only do you put out a lot of books and a lot of quality books, but a lot of cookbooks, which seem harder than a regular book because you have to test all those recipes. So what is going on out there in Western Pennsylvania? Are you just incredibly brilliant or is it maybe the beer? <laughs> I think I need to give all the credit to beer. But, you know, there's something to be said for living in a place where there are wide open spaces. So I can do a marathon writing and a recipe uh, testing and creating session for 12 hours and then just hop in the car and in five minutes I'm in one of my favorite 
uh, field next to my favorite dirt road where it's just completely quiet and I can just uh, de-stress and there. But I, and I think you'll appreciate this and all the the writers out there and other people who are in uh, anything creative. It's a joy. It's not work. It's a joy. And when you finally reach that point in your career where you get to do what you feel you were meant to do, we're all given gifts in this life, all of us. And it's up to us to find what those gifts are and then run with them. And when you finally realize that, it is such a joy. And I just feel blessed every single day to know that I get to do exactly what I was meant to do, whether it is writing my cookbook, whether it's doing my compassion paintings, which I, you know, launched this year and have really, uh, you know, been starting to exhibit around the country, which has been fantastic, uh, or just out giving speeches on compassion. Last fall, I spoke on Capitol Hill and delivered a keynote address uh, titled Embrace Compassion, Change the World. Anytime we get to do those things, it's not, it's not work. And I'm just grateful for the gifts I've been given. And I, I love encouraging others to really explore and find what their gifts are as well. Mm. And I just see all around me, and certainly I see it in my own life, that when somebody embraces veganism, a lot of these opportunities come up that would not have otherwise arisen. So that's very cool. And I know you've done a lot. You've been on Ellen. You've been on NPR's The Splendid Table, Martha Stewart's Everyday Food. You've been on Fox and Friends. So uh, you're not just in Western Pennsylvania all the time. No, I get to travel a great deal, and so it's fantastic to have this quiet, peaceful home base to always return to. And even when I'm out on the road, you, you know, of course, and again, you know this, when you're being introduced, people use words like celebrity and chef and, and this and that, and I, I don't need those words. Uh, you know, I did a, a book on young activists, which you and I talked about on your show last fall, called Stand Up, and one of the young women who created a fantastic organization, she was asked why she did what she did, and she said, you know, if other kids see me as anything other than random, because her organization is called Random Kid, she said, if other kids see me as anything other than random, they're not going to realize they can do the same thing I'm doing. And that quote struck me, and that you know, just sort of philosophy of her is so simple but so profound. And I think I want people to realize that they can do exactly what you and I are doing. Everyone can embrace compassion in their own way and in their own time. It doesn't mean they have to write cookbooks or have a radio show or do compassion paintings, but there's some way they can embrace compassion. And I think if, if there's any message I'm trying to get out there, it is that, whether it's my paintings or one spoonful or forkful at a time or one chug as it would be with the beer. <laughs> everyone, can do, everyone can do it. Everyone has that spark of brilliant light within them. It's so, so true. And yours is shining very brightly. If you want to get better acquainted listeners with John Schlimm, that's S-C-H-L-I-M-M. His website is johnschlimm.com. His Twitter is at John Schlimm. And the new book is The Ultimate Beer Lover's Cookbook. So I want to ask you something, John, that I asked our, our other John and that is, tell me a little bit about your spiritual life, because I know that just like John Joseph, you're a spiritual guy, too. Yeah, well, and first, it's the Ultimate Beer Lover's Happy Hour. It's oh, a, I'm so sorry. I was, re- I was reading from the back of the book. Pardon me. Yes, we went That's from okay, yes. to Happy Hour, Happy Hour being vegan. Okay, yes, got yes. it. The Ultimate Beer <laughs> Lover's Happy Hour. Con- I made that mistake on Twitter, too, so apologies. <laughs> No, no problem. You know, I, I think a spiritual life is something that is so personal to everyone, and I, I can really uh, summarize or perhaps paint a picture uh, of mine in this way. I just spent, you know, two really fantastic weeks in Hawaii on the island of Oahu, and the one day my friends and I went to the North Shore, which your listeners will recognize as the big surfing uh, area, and out in the distance, I could see this little tiny stone island, and the stone was just, or the sun was just starting to set. And so I'm like, you know what? I don't know when I might pass this way again. So I got my goggles and I dove into the water and I made my way out to this 
little tiny rock island, and I sat there all by myself watching the beautiful sun in the distance set while over my head just a torrential downpour happened. And in a place like that, and we all have those places, even in the heart of the city, you can find a special place of beauty like that. Uh, I mean, that's about as close to heaven or whatever your concept of heaven is that you can get sitting there. And, you know, people follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and even Pinterest. They would have seen the picture I posted because my friend who chose to stay stay way back on shore, uh, he very kindly snapped the picture which I was so grateful for because now I can study that picture and see it. But I, I think it's really tapping into what makes you shine, what makes you light up, and whatever that is, embrace it. For me, it's compassion and just being positive as much as I can, and you start to see that that is infectious on other people just as when, uh, you know, they're that way towards you. Oh, and that's one of the big beautiful. Thank you so, so much, John. I'm sorry to cut you off. We have come to the end of our time together. John Schlimm, the ultimate beer lover's happy hour. We spoke earlier with John Joseph. Meat is for pussies. And I'm Victoria Moran. And I want to say to everybody listening, God bless you and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Rev. Jim Rosemurgy. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself. Sweet, sweet spirit, I desire a closer walk with you. Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now, in the silence, to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith that your next step, your unfolding, your spiritual growth, is coming to you in divine order through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Music Speaks Louder Than Words is an inspiring, informative, and fun hour of uplifting, heartfelt music and commentary that delivers a powerful message of love, joy, and oneness. It will keep you smiling and singing along. Your hosts, Reverends Dale Worley and Christy Snow, are alive with the Spirit of God and singing their love to you. Each Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time with Music Speaks Louder Than Words. Music, it's the only thing that the whole world listens to. Music Speaks Louder Than Words When You Sing 
Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.